Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Spoiler Warning Podcast. This is review number 301 with our review of Transformers Age of Extinction. I'm Christopher Schnazy. I'm Carson Patrick. And if you're joining us for the first time, the Spoiler Warning Podcast is a weekly film review program. Each week on the show, we're going to dive in, debate, discuss, and argue over the latest film releases coming to a theater near you. Here today, we are getting ready to talk about Transformers Age of Extinction. Uh, is it, this is the fourth Transformers film, right? This is Transformers, yes. That's right. I'm, I'm surprised there wasn't any sort of like four in the title. I, um, I'm surprised too. I, I guess uh, Michael Bay did not approve of that. It seems like of, of all the films out there that constantly throw the number into the title, Transformers is seems like the easiest and re- would require the least amount of work to make that work. Well, I guess they had like the original teaser poster was like the uh, the Autobot logo that was like half in the shape of a number four or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the uh, creative decisions behind not doing that were. Yeah, that's. I mean, it's whatever. Sad times. Uh, as people, <laughs> as people may have noticed from the beginning of this episode, Stephen isn't with us on this. Uh, for this recording, but he was okay. too sleepy. He, well, he's he's off on an expedition in the Arctic trying to collect a bunch of Transformium, <laughs> which uh, yeah, I think wins the award for it, it takes the place of Unobtainium as the award for the worst uh, science fiction element in existence. I think I I it's up there with that. Yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, like we, we were just joking about how like. They couldn't take the lazy route and add the four to the title for Transformers, but for some reason they thought Transformium was like a really badass sounding name for this element. Uh, it's trademark though, so that's right. That's right. At least yeah. in in the universe of the uh, the film of, of the Transformers universe, yes. Yeah. Focus groups and everything. <laughs> that's right. What they really <laughs> needed is like Jay Baruchel to be like the guy who delivered that line about focus grouping it, because we know that he. In as far as being in a sci-fi universe that incorporates robots, uh, he is the guy who is the best at you know focus grouping things. Uh, he's one of the best, yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I um, I'm sad that we weren't gonna get uh, Steven's uh, very inquisitive opinion about this film because being that he does work in robotics. Yes, exactly. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, he's breaking our formula of having him on as our expert. Right, exactly. Yeah, well, well, hopefully he is currently listening to this uh, intro. Well, not currently listening to it as we record, but in his current timeline of the time right. he sits down to listen currently to Currently in the future. Yeah, he is hearing this right now and feeling awfully bad that he didn't make it on here with us. Right. He's going to miss out. Yeah, and I would say that he could you know, record his own little thing and send it to me and I'd add it to the episode, but chances <laughs> are by the time he listens to this, well, not chances are, in actuality, if he's listening to this, there would no longer be enough time no. for me to take whatever he said and add it back into the episode. No. He's going to he's gonna have to call in and pretend he's someone else. That's ne- neither here nor there. Um, but what do you say, Carson, that we stop wasting time we transform ourselves into good uh, hosts and uh, get into our review of this episode. That was my that was my attempt at a transformer sound. Uh, it was it was pretty good. Transformer. That's why I call him now. There's no e. Transformer. There's no er in transformers. It's it's a a s. Yes. Yes. But yeah, why don't we go ahead and take a listen to the trailer for Transformers: Age of Extinction, and then come back and give everybody our review. 
This is the greatest advance in modern physics since the splitting of the atom. A rare metal, molecularly unstable. It's what they're made of. Bring it up, all the way. You guys have never seen a truck like this before. Dad, you can't keep spending money on junk. I don't think it's a truck at all. I think we just found a transformer. Dad! I'm gonna ask you this once. Where is Optimus Prime? After all we have done, humans are hunting us. But I fear we are all targets now. What is that? Who sent you here? Okay, so you just listened to the trailer for Transformers Age of Extinction. A um, little bit of spoilers for Transformers 3. I'm assuming if you care about Transformers 4 that uh, it, it's okay for us to talk about uh, minor spoilers uh, or, or major spoilers. But basically, um, you know, some bad guys from Cybertron were trying to open up some giant portal in the sky that would essentially allow what's left of Cybertron to, I think it was like teleport onto Earth. And then they were going to enslave all of humanity to help them build up Cybertron again. They're basically going to transport one planet onto another. Yeah, like the the outer, the remaining outer (laughs) shell of Cybertron would be, it would basically then encase Earth and then they would rebuild it to its former glory. Right, it was just going to be a giant copy paste job. Yes, so that obviously didn't work, but... It was pretty bad uh, result for uh, all of Chicago, at least. And, uh, <laughs> you know, things were pretty bad. And unlike some other franchises out there that involve sci-fi, uh, this film actually starts with recognition of the fact that a city was laid waste in, in the last film. And because of that, you know, the government no longer is, you know, in cahoots with the Transformers. They, they view them as being bad, and uh, they decide to break off their alliance with the Autobots and the Autobots are off going into hiding. And the government has sponsored an initiative to hunt down the remaining Decepticons. But unbeknownst to the like good part of the government, if that exists, uh, there are shady organizations within our government or that are partnering with corporations that are involved with our government that are actually hunting down 
all transforming robots, not just the Decepticons, but including Autobots. Uh, you know, Optimus Prime has been in hiding for a while. And uh, then we cut to, you know, our little... Uh, our little buddy Mark Wahlberg, who yeah. you know, has, has he, he's a he's an up and coming robotics guy who makes cheesy inventions that don't he, ever. He's really... an inventor. Yeah, sort and, of. And he lets you know that a lot. Yeah, a lot, like the entire movie. But uh, basically, <laughs> uh, he buys this rundown truck and discovers that it is Optimus Prime and uh, this weird shadow organization run by uh, you know uh, the the evil smoke monster. Um, comes in and <laughs> I thought you were uh, going to say run by uh, Dr. Fraser Crane. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. I mean, the 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 main squad for that organization yeah, is right. run by the He's like the monster. he's like the the right hand. He's the yeah. lackey. Fraser Crane just he he's the one who's partnering with our buddy Stanley Tucci. Right. Um, so you have the, the government CIA interest of uh, Fraser Crane, you have Stanley Tucci and his corporate interest, and then you have the uh, lackey guy who goes out and actually interacts with the public in some form and helps hunt down the Decepticons slash Autobots. Uh, basically, they're all in this weird cahoots because of this Transformium substance, which we've discovered allows us to possibly create our own Transformers, and the age of the Transformers is now over. It's over. We don't need you anymore. Done. Uh, Get out of here. So I think that long roundabout way is enough to kind of fill you in on everything you need to know about this film, at least everything that you need to know that the film will actually cover during the course of it. So, Carson, why don't you start us off by letting us know what you thought of the film? Uh, Well, I'm trying to figure out how to uh, start this off because Stephen is not on this episode. I was uh, was going to be relying on him, but uh, I feel the way I felt watching this movie was akin to when I saw um the brats movie um and that's where i was gonna have steven help me out on that because i know that he saw that film and uh i think he would agree hopefully that uh that yeah this film had a similar reaction in that uh the entire time i was just like what the am i watching um so I think you, you mean you mean the film didn't make you just like the Bratz movie want to go out and buy some of the toys? No, <laughs> although not gonna lie, I was on Amazon last night looking at the Dinobot toys. They look pretty cool, um, but uh, no, I didn't immediately want to rush out to uh, Toys R Us or wherever and be like, I'm gonna buy all these. But uh, I think it's a film that is uh, it's a film. Let's just put it that way for sure. Um, it's uh, <laughs> it, it, it contains all the components that allow you to classify this as a film. Yes, I think uh, it is equal parts horrible as it is fascinating. And um, I, I think it's the first, I think I can safely say it's the first Transformers film that has actual subtext because um, it's, I, I'm I'm positive. I think that you could write a good thesis paper on how this is a metaphor for Michael Bay's penis because it is big, long, and American. And <laughs> that is just, I you are, think... You are giving Michael Bay a lot of credit. <laughs> I think that is I think that is probably the best compliment you can give this film. And uh, I would have stand, stood up and applauded it if at the end of the movie it just said, dedicated to my penis. I just would have been like, this is... 
this is art right here. Um, I mean, you you could also replace uh, the word pen my the words my and penis with uh, the words American and flag because uh, <laughs> you know, the American flag is featured very pro- prominently uh, throughout the film in Ooh. in these these moments where you just kind of expect in the background to kind of hear like a faint like America. <laughs> There's a lot of that. Uh, yeah, as my girlfriend's boss said, it has a very impressive American flag budget. Um, and yeah, it's true. There are a lot of shots of American flags in this film. Well, I, I, I think what it came down to is, you know, uh, Michael Bay had already gotten the military to let him use their ships enough. And they're like, look, dude, we can't let you use our ships anymore. <laughs> You're what done. else do you want? And he's like, you know what? I'll just take American flags. I, I can I can deal with it. People saw the ships once. I don't need to do that again. I just need American flags and rally cars. Well, they uh, he couldn't use any for this movie because they used them all for that show he's got, the last ship or whatever. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so he was just like, oh, they took all my ships. I got to replace them <laughs> no, with he, flags. He, he blew all the ships up in the last set of Transformers films, <laughs> so it literally is the last ship. <laughs> He blew up the entire military. They're like, we have no more. Um, uh, yeah, like I, this is a, it's it's a gargantuan film, uh, both in size and scope and uh, in weight. I, I felt like I could feel this movie sitting on me. It was so large. Yeah, well, you might, you might say it's a film that's 65 million years in the making. Uh, yeah, well, and also speaking of 65, speaking of 165, uh, that is both the runtime and the budget of this film uh, in millions of dollars. So technically, you could say that they spent a million dollars per minute on this film. So uh, it was really only 163 million. That they've really got their technology budget down a lot. 165, yeah, million for the. I, I was surprised because it. I mean, like any Michael Bay movie, the money is on the screen. Um, and uh, yeah, I was shocked that it was less money than uh like the latest x-men movie which i yeah. think didn't feel uh, i mean my one of my criticisms on that film was that it didn't feel like it had a very epic scope and this movie was like yeah i mean the the money was there for sure in small details and obviously in huge uh you know exploding robot details well, but, I, I guess it turns out that it's a lot cheaper to shoot and destroy a city in China than it is to shoot and destroy a city, a city well, in the middle of Chicago. Also, when you have, you know, uh, Bud Light, Victoria's Secret, Red Bull. True. What do you got them uh, throwing their uh, hat in the ring to give you some money? <laughs> is this your car? <laughs> <laughs> like, that was the worst product placement I've ever as, seen. As there's like an American flag uh, unfurling in the background. And he's uh, like, honey, hand me my big alien gun. I'm an inventor. I'm going to patent this shit. Um, Mark Wahlberg, uh, amazing as usual. He's in full uh, happening mode in this in this movie, which I appreciated. Uh, he's almost playing an extension of his character from The Happening, uh, like nerdy science guy, um, which I thought was an interesting choice because he's like playing nerdy science guy slash concerned father uh, with glasses on and not so much the action star. But it's not even like nerdy. Like, there's nothing about him that makes you think. Like, he, like if you compare his character to like Charlie Day's character in in uh, Pacific Rim, like it, they're not in the same even genre of like nerdy scientist guy. Like Mark Wahlberg is clearly Mark Wahlberg, but having <laughs> at least a tiny bit of knowledge to do something with robotics. Well, I mean, that's what I mean. I mean, like I never once for a second believed he was a science teacher in The Happening, but uh, yeah, 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 he is. Uh, he is playing one, so therefore, 
he, you know, just since he's kind of dealing with like a similar field in this movie, it just reminded. And also his, uh, he was definitely pulling out the all the uh, the happening stops in terms of uh, getting a uh, really hyper and telling people he's an inventor a lot and stuff yeah. like that. But uh, anyway, I mean, is this movie good? No. Um, is it entertaining? I thought I had a, I was very entertained by it. Um, and it has all of the tropes of a Michael Bay film. And uh, I wouldn't want it any other way, to be honest. Uh, and I think that the people who are criticizing the film just for saying well it has you know this this and this and it's like well i mean what did you expect it's a michael bay movie like of course they're gonna have those kind of things in them and i think it's almost like low-hanging fruit to like to to pick on this movie because i don't know there's just there's there's something about it there's there's stuff happening in this film that are almost just like straight up bizarre like I, i i feel like michael bay is really just especially in this film, more so than the other Transformer movies, uh, he really just doesn't care, and he's like really just kind of messing with everyone. Well, the, like, there's actually and there's an article right now on Slash Film. Uh, I forget exactly what it's titled, but it's something like, it, are, is it, are you obligated to care about like story or whatever in your movie? And it, it's like an interview with like the writers of this film mm. and talking about how like they were just like, you know what, we're just going to do a bunch of set, set pieces and the least amount of story we can write to sort of connect these is totally fine because you're going to see this movie not because it has a story, but because yeah. it's Michael Bay getting crazy and doing Michael Bay type stuff. And And I'm totally fine with that. I think that actually... I actually thought the plot in the film in this movie was the most interesting out of all the Transformer movies. Like well, now, I- now, so are you talking about the plot that centers around um, around the Transformium itself and what uh, people within our government slash corporation pairings are trying to do with it, or are you talking about the sort of story that exists about the creators trying to like? capture and bring back optimus prime that has nothing to do with the plot of this film the 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 creators thing i could care less about because anytime they talked about that i was like i I don't even know whatever they're robots and their faces turn into giant penis guns um but uh yeah i I, i'm talking about the 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 main plot where they're hunting down any transformers to transform them into transformium (laughs) and uh stanley tucci is giving you know he's basically like the point is that we can use this material to make virtually anything um which i thought was an interesting idea and somewhat of a frightening idea if ever that came if that ever was a reality that you could have this material that you could kind of transform into whatever you want um yeah well it was was essentially like some it was some combination between uh, like replicator technology from Star Trek yeah. and the T-1000 from Terminator. Yeah, it was like, yeah. you could have anything and then it could turn into any substance at all. Um, like anything from working mechanical objects to simple non-mechanical things. So Right, and I think that uh, I think that was an inherently interesting idea. The fact that it didn't really expand on it, I don't really care. Um, yeah. I think that uh, I laughed when... They basically just use that to uh, reboot Megatron, basically, and now he's Galvatron. Um, yeah. Was pretty funny because, 
you know, the movie just ends with him going like, I'll get you next time, Prime. It's like, of course. <laughs> of course you will. That's what every every Transformer movie ends like that, except for the last one where they actually killed him. But uh, For the second time. <laughs> for, the, for the, like, third time, right? Well, one time they, like, just captured him, and then one time they, like, tried to bury him in the ocean, and oh, then the that's other right. time... It was the second time. Because in the first movie, they, they killed him, buried him in the ocean. Okay. And in the second movie, they brought him back to life, but then he kind of just, like went off on his way because in the beginning of the third movie he was like traveling around the desert like an old hobo transformer yeah wearing his like shroud yeah exactly yeah so yeah this was the second time whatever anyway um uh yeah like i thought that was uh i thought that was funny that they're just and that's that goes into the whole idea that michael bay just i don't think he he just didn't care like and and also that um there, there's a ton of stuff. Like, I was trying to write some things down. It all just looks hilarious because I, I just have, like, little notes that say, like, uh, ships, slow motion tires, uh, dropping shit. Um, but uh, some of the stuff, like, in this movie, like, when uh, the man in black, uh, you know, comes up and he's he, they raid uh, Mark Wahlberg's house and he's like, you don't got a warrant? He's like, uh, my face, <laughs> um, which I thought was funny. And uh, the fact that, like, th- and then they start chasing after him, right? There's this big chase. And the man in black is all like, fire a warning shot. And this dude gets, uh, like, a fifty caliber out. And he just, like, starts taking out buildings. I'm like, yeah, yeah that's it, a good warning shot. It was a shot. Gatling gun. And it's he like, just <laughs> wastes a giant. family of people in a minivan next to us. This giant Gatling gun. <laughs> oh, man, that was so funny. And then, like, the fact that, like, when, when Galvatron is first unleashed, right? This is another, this is another good one. When he's like first unleashed and he's like chasing after Prime and and Marky Mark and all them, and then like he's just laying waste to like trucks and and motorhomes and he's like cutting through cars, and then it comes back to uh, Kelsey Grammer and he's like, there are possible civilian casualties. I'm like, possible? <laughs> I'm pretty sure everyone on that freeway is dead. <laughs> well, I, I, but see, Kelsey Grammer was. I think he said that knowing full well, well that there were because he didn't care. It was Stanley Tucci. That, he was true. actually like, oh, crap, something. He, uh, maybe this wasn't so smart. He was trying to put Stanley Tucci. He's trying to put the Tucci at ease. But still, it's like there are no way. Um, and I think it comes full circle at the end when they're just sort of Team America world policing China. And uh, and this is where I'll get to my uh, dropping shit note where the, the, the big ship is like picking up all the the you know the cars and the boats and anything yeah, yeah. metallic and just dropping everything uh and they're driving backwards and stanley tucci just says you know oh just hit him just hit him like it doesn't matter like i was like it really doesn't because i'm sure everyone is just well, in, in all getting fairness, obliterated chinese people not americans so. <laughs> <laughs> zing um but yeah i will say though uh in all seriousness uh i you saw this movie in imax right uh, yeah, and, and just, just for the record, I had to see it in 3D because that was the only option if you yeah, wanted it's to only, see it in IMAX. only available in IMAX 3D. Yeah, and I only saw it in IMAX because, uh, you know, 60% of this movie is supposed to be take up the full IMAX screen. Right. Um, and clearly, I didn't think it was worth the trip up to Irvine to see it in a real IMAX. So I just went to uh, Mirror Mesa, which is my closest large-er format IMAX. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. Anyway, continue with your question. Well, I have a I have a comment on the IMAX in the film, and I wonder I wonder if you will will agree with me. But uh, the one thing I will say is the action scenes do look 
pretty astounding in uh what well, it wasn't full IMAX but it was almost full IMAX um but they do look pretty sweet uh the 3D I could care less about but the the fact that it's in the large format yeah looks pretty awesome um and the one thing I will say that that whole sequence where they're driving backwards in the car and like everything's falling out of the sky I, I'm not that was legitimately awesome like I I think that was like signature Michael Bay, like only he could pull this off. And I literally said aloud, like, holy shit, like in the theater, I'm sure no one heard me because the thing was like loud is, you know, so loud. So, yeah, but I, I, I literally uttered a holy shit because that was uh, a truly spectacular uh, sequence. So hats off to that. Now I will say the IMAX uh, stuff for a movie that is three hours long and is assaulting all of your senses at once, uh, I don't think I needed another uh, assaultive format at me, which was the shifting aspect ratios yeah. in the IMAX uh, format. And now, movies like you know Dark Knight, Dark Knight Rises, where it switches from uh, anamorphic to full IMAX, I think it's done really well there. Like, I think it's pretty subtle, the shifts, and you don't really notice it that much. Uh, here, though, it was it was really jarring because uh, anytime uh, it was in full IMAX, it was fine. Like, it, most of the action sequences played out that way. But there'd be weird sequences where the whole thing would be, you know, full IMAX, and then like the last shot would be anamorphic and you're like, huh? Or, or there'd be like a scene where Mark Wahlberg is talking to TJ Miller and it would, you know, go back and forth between the two, almost like, you know, they're just having a regular conversation. And anytime the camera is on Mark Wahlberg, it's in IMAX cuts to TJ Miller. It's anamorphic. And it's like going back and forth and you're like, what? I don't understand the decision behind this. And, and they thought that, like, Mark Wahlberg's the hero, so he should get the, the cool IMAX. Like, it didn't make any sense. Like, you'd think you would have, like, in that moment, in that scene, it's like, well, we're either going to shoot it both ways and then decide which looks better, or I don't know. Like, I, I don't it, know. It could have just been one of those things. Well, for that scene specifically, it could have been just one of those things where, like, they reshot those sections and just forgot that it was IMAX or could, something. I'm possibly, yeah. <laughs> you know, but, like, for me... Those scenes didn't bother me as much. What bothered me is where, you know, you have this giant ship floating over the city. And, uh, you know, our, our heroes are trying to take what is essentially amounts to an escape pod. Uh, but it's kind of its own full ship. But it, we'll just call it an escape pod. And they are uh, dropping out of the main ship and then being pursued through the, the city um, by other ships that have also come off the main ship and are trying to kill them. So what happens is we have these people getting on board the ship in this full IMAX sequence. The ship detaches, suddenly is in anamorphic, and this chase through the city, flying around, shooting up buildings, like proceeds in, in anamorphic, and then the resolve of that um, ship chase uh, jumps back to IMAX. And it's like... As soon as they launched off the ship, they start flying through the city. I'm like, why is this part not in IMAX? Like, yeah, it was weird. All this is fake digital assets because I'm pretty sure they weren't flying through a city blowing it up. So why would they then not like continue that? And even if like the plates they shot weren't IMAX formatted, uh, it seems like since you're just digitally recreating most of the stuff to overlay over the actual footage anyways, why would you not digitally extend um, the frame to complete that IMAX look? Yeah, I don't know. Unless that the yeah, I that those were the things that like 
it, and it would do it, it would do it constantly and it would do it, you know, I, I just lost my place, but it, it was frequently done. Let's just say that. And, and yeah. it was definitely noticeable. It wasn't, um, the shifts weren't very subtle. Yeah, so yeah. I, I think, uh, you know, for the sheer scope of it, it's good. Um, the fact that it kept going back and forth most of the time was a little distracting to me. True. But that, that was just my one comment about seeing it in IMAX was the uh, lots of shifting ratios. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, uh, for me, there is... Okay, so I was not really excited to see another Transformers film uh, just because, obviously, they haven't been all that great. The first one... You know, first one was was pretty pretty decent. Uh, second one was a terrible piece of crap. The third one was still bad, but at least felt like Michael Bay was trying to correct some of his issues uh, with the films. And I I like I gave it more credit than I liked it because I was like, okay, cool, he's trying to fix some of the things he did with uh, Transformers Two, and you know, maybe the maybe the fourth one will be like even further a step in the right direction. Um, and like you said, there was plenty of entertaining things in this film like this is the, the set, set pieces in this are legitimately badass uh like you know the the very opening of the film where you see the planet being terraformed by these seed bomb things um super badass like even though there's not really a context or a reason for that to be related to the film at all other than uh you know scientisty characters can say like oh you know when the dinosaurs all got killed they left there's this actually this weird metallic rock thing that was left behind maybe it wasn't a meteor maybe something else involved in that but that never really comes back into the story other than us understanding that transformium is a quote-unquote natural substance found on earth outside of the fact that transformers exist well Um, it does come back because i mean that's basically the origin of the dinobots but is it really? But yeah, because they found the uh, the dinosaur in the Arctic in the beginning. They, they found a dinosaur skeleton that had been converted to Transformium. That has nothing to do with the Dinobots. So th- th- this is really my, my, my complaint with the film. Uh, so let, 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 me, let me first address that. Uh, before this film came out, you know, when that first teaser came out, and you were like, yeah, Dino Punch for the win. And I was like, dear God, all this film has to do to not piss me off is explain an origin for the Dinobots in a way that makes sense and is not completely retarded. Um, and they did in the very beginning of the film, which is why I laughed. But, other but they, than, did not, uh, they did not, and here's why. Um, they put that in there so that you can not think about it too hard and assume that that's what they did. But there's, there's, there's two separate things that are happening. So the first... There is that dinosaurs all got destroyed by this terraforming thing. Because the idea is that people on Cybertron left and tried to seed all these worlds all over the galaxy um, for a possible, uh, you know, hosting of cybernetic life in some future state. Clearly, Transformers never completely, like, took over Earth in the past because, you know, though in other films we've seen ships that have landed at different times, um, uh, we've never, like, you know, humans exist. So they weren't overrun by these these. Uh, robotic creatures from Cybertron. Um, but there's really just... It, it's really just analogous that dinosaur uh, death occurred at the same time that the planet was beginning to be terraformed um, because the there is this being, I forget his name, but the, the thing that has basically come to Earth 
that is partnering with the humans uh, uh, and trying to get a hold of Optimus Prime in exchange for giving the humans what the thing that they want. Uh, he has this ship that is essentially his version of the ship from Flight of the Navigator to where this, this machine has been collecting specimens from planets throughout the galaxy. And one of the things he has collected over time are these ancient uh, dino bots. There is nothing to expressly say that those dinosaurs, those the dino bots, were ever collected from Earth in the past. Um, in fact, it wouldn't even really make sense that they were collected from Earth in the past because the scene where Optimus first unleashes them from their, their holding cells... He says, and what I can only assume is Cybertronian, he says, blah, 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 blah. And then it puts subtitles at the bottom of the screen that says, the legend exists or something like that. Yeah. And, and so somehow on Cybertron, there is knowledge of these Dinobots um, as being these legendary warriors from back in time. Um, so there, there's not really a reason to believe that like those legendary warriors existed and ruled earth for some long time and then flew through the galaxy and beca- like there, there, there's there's no real explanation for what that is like it would be one thing if uh if if optimus prime found where they were stored on earth in the ark or whatever like they're supposed to be found and um unleash them from there and then he's like oh my god dinobots but instead there is this knowledge outside of earth's existence that these dinobots exist so th- there's not really a a one-to-one there plus those dinobots are like a million times bigger than optimus prime himself so the, since optimus prime is already himself dinosaur heighted uh then these giant creatures that like dwarf like that t-rex dwarfs optimus prime's height incredibly and i don't know officially how large a tyrannosaurus rex is supposed to be but if we go by heights in say like jurassic park I would say that um, this dino T-Rex is way larger than it should be if it had just, like, taken on the form of an Earth-based Tyrannosaurus. Um, does that make sense? Uh, I guess so. I, uh, this is, this is a, I think, a lot more thought than was put into the Dinobots no, but That's what I'm saying. It's like, it's the, the, like the one thing I was asking from this movie, if they were going to insert Dinobots, you better have a freaking good reason why you're doing that. And to me... They did not have a good reason. Uh, so moving well, on to to the action set piece of the device sucking all the metal into the sky and then dropping it. Um, I agree that set piece was pretty badass. Um, you know, giant ships falling out of the sky and like even even though like this this you know super stunt rally car driver could easily <laughs> pull a Fast and the Furious move where you're driving in reverse and, and, and you dr- flip the car around and then flip go the forward. car around exactly. Yeah. But instead, they're like, no, it's way cooler if Stanley Tucci can be yelling, oh, my God, and we can just drive backwards and uh, See try everything. not to hit a bunch of people from this, like, you know, lower class section of China. Right. Uh, but what what is the purpose of that device on the ship? <laughs> uh, I don't know, other than it looks cool, I guess. So it's essentially... Uh, like like what it looks like. Remember um, the the Constructobot. I forget what it's actually called, but um, the bad guy from Transformers Three that is all like the the different pieces from the construction zone that turn into the one giant box, and he has like the like the sucking mouth that just pulls things in and then shreds it to bits. Oh, that was in the second one, yeah. Oh, the second one, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, you know the robot with the testicles. So right, yeah, he's the, an enemy scrotum. Yeah, yeah. So that robot 
has a device that sucks in metal and destroys it. Like, that makes sense. He's He he's comes from construction material, and he has this thing that can just pull in robots and then eat them and just destroy them. Theoretically, that's what that ship could have been doing, like just sucking in things and then destroying it. But instead, it just wants to pull up metal and then drop it repeatedly on the city. Like, what is the point of that? Like, it, it feels it feels like Michael Bay really liked the scene. Um, the, he really liked the terraformer from uh, uh, Man of Steel. And just like the the visual of concussion waves flying down and just flattening a city. He was like, man, wouldn't it be cool if instead of just like concussion waves flying down and flattening a city, what if first we pulled stuff up and then just dropped it repeatedly on the city? <laughs> like, like visually, yes, it looks awesome. Like kudos. Like you came up with something that sounds really cool. But if you give it an ounce of thought, you're like, what, what is the device? Like, so... So Mark Wahl- Wahlberg's space gun, right, is a sword that shoots beings. Like, he's holding it like an assault rifle because it's meant to be like a dagger that a giant robot holds in his hand that can also shoot beams. So the idea of him holding a dagger as if it's an, like an assault rifle and firing blasts out of it is cool. It makes sense. Like, I get it. There's this room for these ancient warriors, and there's all sorts of weapons on the wall. And obviously, uh, you know, Mark Wahlberg can't swing a giant blade that is too big for him to wield and swing it with enough force to cut through a robot so what if he just held it like a gun and shot out of it like that that totally makes sense requires almost zero thought i can follow the train of thought i know exactly what's going on um but like this picker upper and dropper device (laughs) just doesn't make any sense (laughs) i i mean i don't think it has to either like i i was fine with it not making sense i mean i figured that the uh you know that the Dinobots came from the terraforming, so I guess I don't know anything. But uh, yeah, I, I mean, I you 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 can you can definitely make that leap and assume that, but I don't think the film. I think the film introduces too much other information to make that an obvious conclusion. I think if you apply just if you just think about it a little bit, you're like, oh well, they did yeah. nothing to actually say that that's how it happened, and yeah, if you take the little bit of crumbs, you can say, oh, that probably is how it happened, but. I think there's direct evidence that says that it didn't happen that way. Um, so yeah, the next, but the even, next, though the, even though the scene in the Arctic where she finds the one encased in ice, but... But but that one was literally just a skeleton that had been converted in, this, in much in the same way that maybe bodies that get hit by a grenade get converted to some sort of metal substance. Like, it, it was yeah. a... It, it was something that clearly got hit by the terraforming blast, but not... It, it wasn't a transforming robot. It was a skeleton encased in metal. Um, well, maybe some, maybe these Dinobot warriors came to Earth and then they like used their little scanning device and then changed into dinosaurs. You know, and, like, and, how, when, and, and like then, how when Optimus drives by and he scans like a plain old white truck and then he turns into an awesome truck. Yeah, yeah, but that's yeah that that could have happened, <laughs> but uh, that's another point I'll get to in a second. But um, so let's go on to Transformium. Just like you, I like the idea of of people in our human society discovering the element that the Transformers are are based off of and figuring out a way to manipulate that into creating their own Transformer-like robots um, that they can use to, you know, if aliens attack again, we'll have our own Transformers. We don't have to rely on an alien race of these machines we can create our own machines that are controlled by us that are theoretically piloted not in not in a way like they're piloted in uh pacific rim but more like piloted in a way like they are in uh real steel 
Yeah. Um, like, I was totally fine with that. I thought that was a cool idea. The problem is, if you have this transformium substance that can literally take on any form, y- sure, you can take the transformium, make it a car, and then switch it to a robot, because that's what transformium does. But, you know, the transformers have to maintain the car aesthetic in their robot form, because they're literally, they're literally a car that is turning into a robot, or a robot that has been turned into a car. The transformium creatures that uh, the you know our government slash corporation teamings have created are actually you know they're supposedly quote unquote upgraded from a normal transformer. They can you know they break into little bots that reassemble into any form. So why? Does the, the robot have to maintain the look of the car that it transformed out of if it can literally change like into a gun or into a baseball bat and not have any uh, any memory of the object it was before the new transformed state? Like it, to me, it's stupid that it has to remain car-like once it transforms. Like zero, zero sense makes that. Uh, I won't disagree, but I am totally okay with that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I don't know. It just it, it was one of those things where like I I can't I can't watch it and and dude, you, you know why they transform because the algorithms, dude. The algorithms and the math. Okay. <laughs> I, I, laughed, I laughed out loud <laughs> when Stanley Tucci yelled yelled that. Like, yes. I was like, well, this just became Carson's favorite movie of all time. <laughs> Uh, Stanley Tucci also had another winner line uh, when he's trying to get get around some old Chinese women. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, uh, I forget what he said, but I remember thinking it was probably funny. He's basically just says like, "How do you?" Or he says like, "How do you say get the f out of the way, Chinese?" <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, but uh, no, I I laughed because I imagined uh I imagined that they wrote some like long, in my head. This is how my this is how I dreamed it would play out. That. They had some expository speech for Stanley Tucci to say in the script, and he did it like a couple of takes. And Michael Bay comes over and he's like, "It's not working. Just boil it down to like two or three words." Yeah, and yeah. then he just screamed it out, "Algorithms, math!" And he's like, "We got it." Or, or Stanley Tucci actually said that and they had it on film, and Michael Bay just edited it out all the right, words that he didn't right. like. Or, or Stanley Tucci got tired of doing the take, like, after so many times. It was just like, F it. Algorithms, math. And Michael Bay was like, oh, that's great. Yeah, Prince. yeah. Like, it, it was the after take when he thought it wasn't recording. And he's like, oh, yeah, I'm using this. Um, I just thought it was funny because I, I, I just imagine also Michael Bay watching, like, Captain America 2 and going, like, there's just too much talking. Like, I, I, I just, and then he just walks away. Yeah. Uh, okay, so 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 the one last thing I want to say, which because because it relates to the transformium, is um, as I said, in theory, I like the transformium. I like that uh, there's these corporate. It, it's basically like going back to Pacific Rim again. In Pacific Rim, there are these groups of people. Sometimes there's individual people. Sometimes they're gangs who will go out and collect parts of the kaiju and use that kaiju junk in you know in whatever they want to do like mo- mo- in in, in uh, pacific rim mostly it's chemical stuff that they're doing to create drugs and crap like that um, but you know some scientists like to take to get it uh, like charlie day's character and try to figure out what they might be able to do with it so in this you have all these robot bits that are just like laying all over chicago because this crazy battle that took place and people are stealing it and trying to further the technology of 
you know, either themselves, in a, as in small groups of people trying to sell it off to make money, or in Stanley Tucci's case, uh, you know, large corporations trying to use that to advance our our current technology. And that's, you know, that that's like a real a real world conspiracy type thing. Like for anybody who's familiar with, you know, the Roswell crash of 47 or whatever it was like, or 42, I don't know, in 40 sometimes. Yeah. Uh, the, 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 like there's a whole book, um, uh, I forget what it has. I actually owned it at one time and never finished reading it because um, I used to be really into alien stuff. Uh, but basically this book was written by an ex-military guy who was in charge of the cleanup of, of you know, the supposed crash in Roswell. And, um, what the book is about is how our modern day night vision and um, a bunch of different technologies all came from bits of this crashed uh, wreckage uh, that like, you know, U.S. forces collected it and uh, reverse engineered the technology. And then our society as a whole advanced based on on the technology we found. So like this is like a total real world idea that is theoretically has actually happened for us. So the idea that companies will 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 reverse engineer um, the technology is really awesome. The thing is, there is a built-in scarcity for um, this material, which, because of the opening of the film, which shows that the planet was at one point attempted to start a terraforming, theoretically, uh, Stanley Tucci shouldn't be limited to the wreckage of the robots in in freaking Chicago. He should be able to drill in the Arctic and find right. a whole shit ton of it. So we'll just completely excuse that for a second. There is a plot mechanic of a way to possibly generate more of this. And, you know, I, it's maybe it's a little bit spoilery, but, I mean, if you think about the fact that we've referenced the terraforming at the beginning of the film, theoretically, they might be able to get some of this terraforming uh, material and, uh, you know, use that again to partially terraform the planet and convert some of our planet into more of this transformium substance. So I'm totally fine with that being a plot point. The thing is, they need some sort of contact with a some sort of Cybertronian force or entity in order to be able to even make this deal. So the writers had to create some reason for us to be able to contact that. So they came up with this plan of like, well, since these people are already hunting down uh, the Autobots and the Decepticons, what if I guess at some point before this movie starts, this being from Cybertron came and was like, where's Optimus Prime? And they're like, oh, well, hey, uh, we'll try to get Optimus Prime for you if you, like, uh, give us this thing that we don't even know about because, uh, well, I guess they, they have a reason why they would know about it. Um, I, I, theoretically, the the intelligence of Megatron that they have captured and they're trying to use reverse engineering would allow them to have contact with this race. But like, it just seems that it just seems very, very not thought out completely. The idea of how Kelsey Grammer got in touch with this being who just happened to want to, um, to, to collect Optimus Prime for no reason other than the creator said they want him back. Um, yeah, it, it just, it's like a, a not fully formed thought or story. Um, so this film, like all the events in this film rely on this idea of something that took place before this film started that nobody ever references. Um, I know there's just something about that that just sort of like bugs me. Um, and I, I'll totally agree with that, that it's, it's definitely not, uh, fully formed. And I think, uh, I think that... The f- Michael Bay doesn't care uh, that it isn't fully formed because there's that scene where Kelsey Grammer meets up with the creator dude on his ship and 
I can't remember the line. I'm going to be paraphrasing, but he says something like, well, you know, my motto is and then the creator's like, well, my motto is where I come from. I don't, you know, my motto is I don't care or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I thought that was funny. Um, well, here's the it, thing is that, that guy's not even the creator. That's the guy who goes out and hunts things for the creator. Right. But I mean, like that whole, like he's like the, the talking head for that race yeah, yeah. or whatever. So, uh, yeah, that's why I thought that, uh, I thought that was funny, and the fact that, uh, which this is just could be completely, uh, completely side note, but the fact that their spaceship looked like a butthole, their face turned into giant penis-looking guns, and then Kelsey Grammer kept referring to them as his assets, uh, very sexual, uh, <laughs> the creators, so I think that was another thing that... That, right. could, that could be perceived as messing with us, some trolling. You know what I thought was really dumb about that guy, whatever, whoever he's supposed to be? Yeah. Just just his design in general, because clearly he wasn't supposed to transform into a car. He was just supposed to be humanoid, which, you know, I'm, I'm fine with. You know, there's yeah. no reason why a robot from Cybertron can't be humanoid without having to, any reference to human beings, uh, bipedal creatures. Uh, but what's really dumb is, you know, our first introduction to him is him coming out of water. And he has some sort of visor breathing apparatus that helps oh, him breathe right. the water. Right, yeah, Even though yeah. he's a robot that doesn't require oxygen. <laughs> and and you could make you could make the argument because later on when he's walking on the surface of the planet, um, he has that visor down also and you can see lights bouncing off the front of it. So you could argue that like, well, no, it wasn't to keep his face protected from the water. It it just where all his targeting it's basically his Iron Man HUD that sits in front of his face. Yeah. Um, but the problem with that is that he once again is a robot and why wouldn't his robotic eyes give him that input rather than having dumb robotic eyes that have to have a visor sit in front of them to project stuff into them? Like, it, it just doesn't make sense again. <laughs> so, so some interesting design choices. Um, yeah. But, oh yeah, so, so the, the one thing that I really wanted to say before I got sidetracked by, like, these notes I was writing down as you were talking is that here's what I like about... Um, the 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 just the film series in general is anytime optimus says anything it just feels inherently epic like anytime he's like <laughs> i am optimus prime it's galaxy super... is in danger humans are thing like yeah it's it just anytime somebody is looking up to optimus and his voice is just filling the room and he's making some sort of statement about like working together and like the alliance between the humans is over and you know we'll leave once this is done and no these people protected me when i had nothing to do so we have to protect them now that they have nothing like any of those moments feel epic and feel awesome and you're like yeah like transformers is actually like interesting there's there's cool feeling to it like i i Optimus Prime is a great character, and anytime he is giving exposition, no matter how dumb it is, it's entertaining. It's all the other robots that dumb the franchise down and make it into this silly kitty type of dumb thing. Like, th there's, I don't know, like, Optimus Prime is awesome. His story is great. Everyone else, there do doesn't need to be robots, just get rid of them all because everyone else is like this silly joke. It's like somebody is attempting to write something that's maybe halfway good and then everyone else is like, no, 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 this is, it'll be really funny if this one robot has like a bullet in his mouth like it's a cigar and uh, it'll be super sweet and oh yeah, let's have, a, let's have a samurai robot who just like 
swings swords around and like talks about honor a lot and then oh but we'll have like this this other robot that's like it, it, it doesn't i don't understand what is going on in the creator's mind for this movie uh yeah, I mean, they, they've they all kind of been like that, um, except for, like, I can't remember his name. The one, there was the one robot who, like, turned into an, turned into an ambulance, and I think he got killed off in the third one. Uh, yeah, but he remember. was, like, he, he was all, uh, he didn't act like, he didn't talk jive or, like, act all, you know, he didn't have, like, a character trait that was stupid. <laughs> he didn't talk jive. <laughs> well, okay, so here, here's an... You know what I mean, though? He, he wasn't like, yo, we're gonna, you know, smack these bitches or something. Or yeah. he wasn't just like, wow, I love fighting. Like, Burr. Yeah, I'm Jazz, the breakdancer robot. Right. It wasn't... Yeah. And, you know, he seemed a little more uh, on Optimus's level. Yeah, but I mean, like, it, like for instance, like, an example is, you know, when, when the Autobots assemble in the middle of the desert... There's a scene where, like, Optimus is standing there, and there's, the you know, Ken Watanabe and John Goodman are fighting each other, and uh, just for no reason at all. And then the the other guy, the, like, European-sounding oh, dude. right, yeah. He's, he's, all, he's all, oh, I've been waiting for these guys to fight each other so I could rule the Autobots. And, like, Optimus is standing right there. Like, even if they did kill each other, like, <laughs> Optimus is still there. Like, <laughs> why are you even delivering that line? Like, it's, it's like, not you're funny. not going to be top dog, dude. Yeah, or Come like when, when they're in the ship and he's like, I'm just going to get out of there. And then he points the gun at him and he's like, no, you're not. He's like, all right, I'll stay. Like, it just doesn't make, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, it's like you're not as cool as you think you are with your sweet, you know, metallic duster or whatever yeah, that you got like, going on. I just I just don't get like why the film can't, like it, it, doesn't, ah. need to, it doesn't need to be the Nolanized version of a robot movie. I just... I think that there is some pretty, like, there are awesome moments thrown throughout all of these, um, like, that actually have weight and stuff, and they're always undercut by these stupid, like, there is literally, like, it's action beat, action beat, action beat, action beat, action beat, and then they get on, like, anytime the action stops so that non-Optimus robots can discuss what's going on, it feels stupid. Like, I'm totally fine with Bumblebee being the humorous person where, like, you know, like, that joke can be carried on for, you know, in perpetuity as as long as they want to do. Like, I'm totally fine with that. But you don't need, on top of Bumblebee, all these other people. Like, that's why I think it works so much having Shia LaBeouf in the films because he, his interactions with Bumblebee or his interactions with all the robots in general provided the, the, the light, the uh, lighthearted kind of funny... Because him reacting to the events gave it the humor. You don't, like, if... if the rest of the film can be serious as long as you have like one or two characters that provide the humor. But when all of the robots are silly or stupid, um, it just, I don't, I don't know. It doesn't make any sense to me. Well, I mean, it's always, I mean, they're in every movie, the robots have been that way. And I, I don't know. It doesn't really bother me. Cause I guess they're trying to like pander to the children in the audience, I guess, um, by, by having these robots, I guess they will be entertained by them. Um, I, I, yeah, I mean, Optimus seems like he's the smart one in a bunch of dumb robots, but I mean, yeah. I don't know. They're, they're robots, whatever. Uh, I, I think the only one that like legitimately annoys me is that little like one, like Einstein looking robot yeah, who yeah. has like the funky hair. Well, like his leg's been disconnected, but he holds his leg as a crutch. And I think, he, yeah. And I think he was in like two and three. And, uh, I was like, oh, I, I'm, 
I hope that they don't bring him back. And then they did. And I was like, I just, I'm a, that guy annoys me. That robot. Yeah. I don't know. Well, but, uh, yeah, whatever. But I, I think any other robots like, I'm, I'm fine. Whatever. Like it's for the kids. I, you know, but I, I will say about uh, Shia LaBeouf. Um, I, I think as much as I enjoy Mark Wahlberg, I, I think Shia LaBeouf really was, uh, the perfect lead for these movies. Cause he reacted to all the, crazy shenanigans that happen in the movie in the way that I think any normal person would react either by screaming or by just commenting on how ridiculous everything is. Yeah. Like I, I thought he was great in them. Like, and he was one of my favorite parts of those films. Yeah. And, uh, I think that, uh, I think Wahlberg does a good job. Um, but, uh, I, I did like, I, I did miss Shia LaBeouf. I, I think it would have been awesome if, uh, like, I, I was telling telling my girlfriend, I was like, it wouldn't have been hilarious if they had LaBeouf and Wahlberg in the film. Yeah. That would have just been a combo for the ages. But, uh, like, or, or, like, something where Mark Wahlberg is actually, like, the inventor uh, professor of, he's, like, the father of uh, the girl from the last movie. And then you essentially swap out... Uh, his daughter and his daughter and her boyfriend in this movie for uh, Shia and uh, the other chick from the yeah. last film. Yeah, yeah. And just have it be that. Uh, I would have been totally fine with that. Um, because I think that his daughter and her boyfriend in the, in this movie are completely useless. Like they're just relegated to background characters. Uh, for well, most I mean, of the time if he wasn't a rally car driver then you know <laughs> he wouldn't yeah. have been able to save them yeah i mean I, I i legitimately thought that was hilarious like i was just like oh dude, as soon as that car pulls up and i figured out like who was going to be inside it i was like this is the dumbest thing i've ever had dude heard, uh, but this is badass <laughs> slow motion tire to the face i and mean then, of course they have their joke in there like like grab my stick baby <laughs> and he's like what <laughs> she's like yeah she's got the best hands in the biz <laughs> you keep your hands off my daughter lucky charms I'm not gonna get anywhere near her. I'm gonna uh, invent a, a force field so you don't touch my daughter. Um, but no, dude, slow motion tired to the face when he like comes up and yeah. saves them all. That, uh, like everybody in my theater hilarious. just laughed. <laughs> pretty hilarious. Uh, pretty good. Yeah. I still, I still, I will say one more thing, and then I'll, I'll be done with my, my like complaining about like actual story elements and, and whether or not they make logical sense in this film. Because I mean, I'm probably being too hard on a film that isn't like like i said i pointed out that article on slash film like they're literally not trying and i'm just complaining about like why not trying is a bad idea um but so there's there's this there's there's a a uh there's a theme both from the human side and from the autobot side that uh that their their existence on earth is is a, a threat um, not because they are bad, but because them simply being on our planet uh, could entice other alien creatures to come to Earth also, and that's when we have the problem. So um, the Earth, from the Earth standpoint, they don't want the Autobots there because they keep attracting these evil forces to Earth, and yeah. the Autobots are realizing that like their presence there is dangerous and maybe they should leave at some point in time. The problem is Optimus is always hiding. So anytime some force comes to earth they're all their their first question is where's optimus prime so and, and and you know earth you know the good like shy the buffs of the earth or you know the mark Wahlbergs of the earth are like i don't know what you're talking about i never heard no optimus prime and then you know he has to come out and save everybody so let's just say theoretically that optimus prime did leave earth you know i just let's we'll throw that as a as like a possibility of something that could happen um 
how do the forces know that he's left Earth? And, like, imagine, you know, we'll go back to... Let, let, let's go back to uh, uh, Man of Steel, cause, since I've referenced that already, this, this, this review. Let's say General Zod came to Earth and was like, I know that you guys are hiding, you know, one of our people. Release him or I will destroy the planet. If Superman had left Earth because he thought he was a threat to Earth, Earth's screwed. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like, like you, like, it, it, it's kind of like, you know, you can't just like, you know, I don't know, move your troops into a country and occupy it and then just pull them out without like any sort of help for that country. Like once you've established that you're a presence there um, and people are coming in to fight you as that presence, uh, you can't just leave because when those people come in, like there's no one left to help them. Like, right. You know, so like the idea of Optimus Prime thinking that the Autobots should all leave Earth because they keep putting humans in danger is stupid because the humans will really be in danger if any force does come Earth looking for them and then they are all like, no, I swear Optimus left. Oh, look at this video where he says I'm leaving. Like, they, they, <laughs> He gave a big inspirational speech about it. Yeah. Like right before they played some Lincoln Park or something. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I will comment on that. Um, it was Imagine Dragons this time around, not no, no, Lincoln I, Park. I, I, I know, uh, I know, it was different this time <laughs> around. But I mean, no, like, I know. But it, for it, any of the other movies, yeah, yeah. I, I can't, I can't help but like anytime, anytime that Optimus finishes saying a line, and I'm like, this is so epic. I just in my head, I immediately hear what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> of course, yes. Um, Although I, I will say. The the song that they had for this movie, like Battle Cry or whatever, that has to be one of the gloriously bad theme songs since like the the hero song from the first Spider Man. Yeah. Um that just it felt like such an America song, like yeah. Fight for your freedom. But um, I will I will say in the film, when they're in the car driving and like everything's exploding and then that, that you know, the song kicks on, it's like, <laughs> like Right, right. It was it was kind of it was, it was pretty badass. That, yeah, dude. Like they they replayed the song about twelve different times in the movie, yeah. and then when of course when Optimus gives his inspirational speech at the end and blasts off, and it's kind of just like, you know, gotta fight. I was like, oh man, I, I just I I wanted to stand up and yell America. Yeah. Because it felt like that. And then pee on stuff in the theater. Right, and then <laughs> Lincoln Park would come on. <laughs> All right. Well, I, I think yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I think I've pretty much said my piece. Um, uh, is there any any last comments you want to make about the film? Well, I just want to make one comment about how uh, you know so you referenced the article that said uh, that they admitted to not even really trying. Yeah. But I feel like that they by saying that they 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 weren't trying, but I feel like they tried just enough to um not try if you know what i mean like they they created a story or a structure that was enough to like hold this movie up and then fill it in with all the craziness uh that it entails um because i feel like a movie like like transformers 2 which doesn't feel like they're trying um and i think that's in in a bad way because i feel like you know, that movie kind of got screwed because of the writer's strike. Uh, and Michael Bay has admitted that where he said, you know, they basically wrote the treatment for the film. They wrote an outline and that's all they, and then the writer's strike happened. So that's all they had to go off of to yeah. fill in, to fill in the blanks. Um, and I feel like that, you know, 
that movie has a plot, but, you know, God help me if I have to remember what it is, because it makes about zero sense, more, more, or less sense than anything in this movie. Yeah. Um, and, and it really doesn't feel, it really just feels like they're trying to pad the walls to, to get this movie out. And, uh, and, and, and also like the absurdity of this film feels I'm not, I won't, I won't say authentic, but it's like absurd in a good way. And Transformers 2 is absurd in a bad way. And uh, I feel like that's what sets apart this film from the second movie. Because like I was trying to go back, and I feel like this movie is my favorite of the of the sequels because I feel like the first Transformers is like a legitimately decent popcorn movie. Like I, I feel like, you know, it was it was simply about a boy in his car turns into a robot, and it was all about the discovery of the Transformers. And, you know, I, I think it's, like, a legitimate popcorn movie. And then the second yeah. one was terrible. And the third one was um, typical Michael Bay. I mean, I enjoyed it. I thought there was... Uh, the action set pieces were, were really awesome. And there there did, like you said, there, there was a lot in it that felt like they were uh, making up for the last one. And... I thought that that was good. Um, but this movie feels like they just dispensed with anything. Because I feel like in the third one, they actually, like, again, they tried to come up with, like, a legitimate plot. And it, it was more plot-driven, I feel. And in this movie, they literally just dispensed with any formality and was like, well, here are the characters. You know who they are, and this is it. Like, I feel like they, they introduced just enough and then just stopped and went off and was like, we're going to give you all of this stuff. And uh, there's actually another article on Ropa Silicon that the guy on there wrote, which I think is really good. Because uh, he he was like me, uh, and he was sort of confounded by this film, yeah. where, where he said, you know, it's unlike anything you've ever seen, for better or for worse. Um, and I think that's true. Like, I think, I don't think you should... I don't think this movie deserves to be dismissed entirely as just it's bad. Like I think that there's there's so much going on in it that's just inherently weird and and just bizarre. Like uh you know like you're not going to see two robots fighting on top of a pterodactyl robot midair in <laughs> any other summer movie this year. Like, I, I just don't... That like, is true. <laughs> the, you're not going to see shit like that. Um, you're not going to see a lot of stuff like that uh, in any movies. I can guarantee you that in any movies that come out this summer. And, and, and you know, like, and, 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 and I, I think, like, which, which I think is kind of in line with what you're saying, like, I love some of the ideas. As stupid as I said, the Optimus Prime unleashing the ancient warriors and saying the legends exist and then, you know, having to challenge the dinosaurs, like, that is the exact same thing that, you know, Aragorn or Aragorn does when he goes into that freaking mountain and talks to all the ghosts right. and tries to get ghosts, them to help. Yeah, like Ghost warriors, it's, yeah. It's the, the exact same thing. So, like, there there is an element of epicness to it. It's just the film doesn't take the time to let you feel that it, it's like you know when optimus is like ancient warriors i ask for you to fight and stand with the humans because if you do not stand with them then the universe will fall like inherently that is like yeah optimus um, yeah but like nothing it just they don't they don't like explain it no but i but all i was like i was just you know 
all that was going through my head was just like, oh yeah, we're gonna get those Dinobots now. I mean, in, in, in a sense that like, you can think that for this movie, but then you also gotta step back and realize this is a movie where Mark Wahlberg kills somebody with a football. So, uh, <laughs> you know, that's just what you're dealing with here. And um, yeah, and, and like going back to like this article on Rope Silicon, like I think uh, he called it, he said, is this movie Michael Bay's uh, vulgar masterpiece? Um, I, I think that's a good question. I think the answer is incorrect, though. I think Bad Boys 2 is clearly Michael Bay's vulgar masterpiece. But um, it's definitely, like, in the right zone because I feel like that's that's how Michael Bay, that's his style. Like, vulgarity is, for, for better or worse, like... That is a keyword, like, if you were to put keywords into Michael Bay's style, uh, I think that's true because not only is are his movies crude sometimes, you know, in humor and form, but, like, I feel like that's just, like, his approach to this movie is just, like, I don't care. Like, I don't care that it doesn't work or some of this stuff is just there and, and it doesn't make sense. Like, I'm here to entertain you and um i was entertained for sure like i as long as this movie is uh i i never once felt bored or wanted to leave the only time i realized or, or the only time i or i at least i knew that it was long was that my ass hurt from sitting for in one place for so long but uh yeah i know I, I i was never once bored so i mean i think that's uh you know and i and i've said many times on this podcast that I enjoy Michael Bay's films. Like I, even if they're terrible, like I feel like they, they have more energy in them. Uh, and there's definitely a style to all the action that isn't, you know, that's unlike any other tentpole movies. So those are my final thoughts, I guess. Yeah. And, and I, I will agree with that. Like I, I was not bored during this film at all. I just, was constantly going like, why are they not going into this, or why this doesn't make sense? Um, but for the most part, it was it was very entertaining. Um, so I cannot fault them for that. Uh, you know, I enjoy Mark Wahlberg. Uh, so yeah, there you go. It's 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 pretty uh, it's epic set add, pieces. Um, added bonus, huh? I said it added bonus that he's in the movie too. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I miss Shia LaBeouf, but Mark Wahlberg was was a decent enough replacement to. Um, keep it entertaining so yeah i think uh we can probably call that a review then so why don't we get into our verdicts carson if you're going to give this a must see a recommend with a caveat wait for rental pass with a caveat or a must avoid uh what would you give it i mean like i said it's it's hard to, to really rate this film um uh i'm i'm just gonna give it a must see because i think there's so much in it that deserves to be seen uh and it deserves to be seen in a giant theater with really loud sound uh be prepared because it will assault you yeah i, I was tired by the end of this movie not, <laughs> not in that like i felt it was too long like 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 i was entertained but i was just exhausted by the end of oh, it because yeah. it was it, too much like it's relentless yeah yeah it just once it starts you're just like oh i can't take it anymore <sighs> when's yeah. it end? Ah. you're so. you're in it for the for the long haul and uh like yeah after the movie was over it's like i have to watch something that has like no CGI. I need to watch like a super low budget indie movie yeah. to like counterbalance this. Um, so yeah. So so I I am going to give 
uh, uh, I'm, I'm gonna be like I'm gonna be like Steven and break and break the the rating system because uh, mm. here's the problem with this film the the quality of the film is at a wait for rental um, at, a, at a wait for rental quality however if I, I think what you have to either do is go see this in theaters or vow to never watch it like th- <laughs> those are your two choices because it, it's honestly not that great but if you are going to see it, you should be seeing it in the theater and see it in the way Michael Bay intended you to see it. Um, right. Because if you really want to eke out the most of the ridiculousness as you can and the intensity and uh, just the, 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 the set pieces and everything. Um, so, yeah, I don't know what to consider that that rating, but basically either vow to never see it or go see it in the theaters. So there you go. That's what I say. So basically, somewhere in between a must-see and a wait-for-rental, but not a recommend. It's basically simultaneously must-avoid and (laughs) must-see. You you pick. (laughs) I I think that's a good way to describe this movie, actually. Yeah. Either either vow to never see it or go see it in the theater. And I think you should see it in the theater because there's something you could take away from it. Yeah. For better or for worse, like like the guy on Rope of Silicon said, like, how can you rate this movie? You can't. Like, I, I, I think that it's totally true. Um, but for me, uh, there's enough just interesting, ridiculous stuff in it that I'm like, I can get on board with this. I was entertained, so I, I can't deny that. For all its stupidity, I can't deny that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, that is a review for this week. So, Carson, why don't you let everybody know where they can find you? Uh, you can go to practicalcandy.wordpress.com. People can find me over at ChristopherInRealLife.com or Twitter.com slash ChristopherIRL. You can find the podcast over at SpoilerWarning.com where you can get a bunch of the back episodes of the show. You can like us on Twitter.com slash SpoilerWarning to figure out when the episodes go live or like us over at Facebook.com slash TheSpoilerWarning. If you want to get hold of us directly, you can send an email to fans at thespoilerwarning.com. You can go to the site, click on the contact us section, and uh, fill out the form and send us a message through there. Uh, or you can call and leave us a voicemail at 760-575-4TSW. That's 760-575-4879. Music for this episode will come from the soundtrack to Transformers Age of Extinction, so hopefully you are enjoying that in your ears right now. And, uh, yeah. We'll be back next week with, uh, uh, at, at least I'm gonna say at least Earth Echo review, even though I'm probably the only one excited for it, and probably a uh, Deliver Us from Evil, evil review. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, we talked we we talked about Sinister, and um, it's the same director, so. Well, there you go. So it's, we just got to do it. I feel um, like we have to. I'm assuming Stephen will be back for at least one of those films. Um, probably not both, but uh, hopefully Stephen, think about right now which one you want to see. And uh, let us know. (laughs) Which one do you want to put yourself through? (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, that is the episode. So thank you guys for listening. Uh, Thank you, Carson, for joining me. Yep. Uh, God bless Stanley Tucci and Michael Bay. Hashtag America. Yep. F yeah. (laughs) So we'll catch you guys next time. Nobody can save now.